This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11. Now what I want to do in this first service is to begin a series of uh, conversation around the subject of faith. Sir, please, if we can reduce it all. Maybe I don't really need it now. I'll, I'll tell you when I need it. Amen. There's a unique grace upon this house and it's evident and we thank God for that. Hebrews 11. <clears throat> now, what I want to do is very simple. In the three services, um, the greatest teacher of faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, now, Hebrews 11 says, faith is a substance of things of four the evidence of things not seen. Unlike the other faith teachers, what the Lord did principally was to give us what is called the scenario-based view of faith. I mean, unlike the other faith teachers, I will tell you that the number one principle is that do this, if you are in faith, confess, and those things are not wrong. You know, they try to give those things to us in a sequential manner. The Lord did not use that approach. The approach the Lord used was that in real-life situation, he extrapolated faith principles. That means as Peter was sinking, it will make Peter to know the reason why you sank is that you doubted. So, so there's no, no reason to give any formula. You doubted, you sank. <laughs> is that okay? And, and the woman with Israel blood, you touched. Every other person was thronging. And, and the reason why you got the miracle is not because of physical contact. There was something you did that is called touch. And, and because the Bible is a limited book in terms of uh, extent, what the Lord carefully did by the Spirit was to make sure that every scenario that will affect mankind was carefully captured in everyone Jesus dealt with on the faith lane. So that by the time you see the faith examples in the teaching and in life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing you are going through today that in principle was not dealt with. Is somebody there? For example, now, it doesn't matter the issue you have. The same way he dealt with the issue of blood is it acceptable template for dealing with issues. So if you can get the principle behind it, whether it's the issue of blood, financial issue, marital issue, psychological issue, emotional issue, issues are issues. So the issue of blood dealt with all the issues. So that means anyone that is going to resolve any issue this morning must get a Rima word from God on where to touch. Oh, you are not hearing me. You see, can, can I have some doctor in Billy, please come? <laughs> so, I mean, because this we explain it, and, and because this is a this is a word church, so I don't need to struggle. I know you you get it. Now, you see, everybody was doing like this to Jesus. They were thronging. So physical contact was not touched. And that was what, that's what, when he said, who touched me? Peter was offended. He was like, you have come again. Everybody is thronging you. Everybody's thronging you, but virtue was not flowing. And yet, somebody came from behind. Somebody said, Behind. <laughs> so, what did she do that all the other people were not doing? Scenario based view of faith. So, you can be as close as this to Jesus. Even touch, take selfie, you know, do everything you want to do, and nothing is going to happen. Meanwhile, somebody that was not touching, that was not thronging, came from nowhere. 
But she did something the rest of them did not do to resolve that issue. We're going to look at that in greater detail in the second service. The Bible says she said within herself. So that means that day. And this is how, give us Hebrews 11, 1 again. On the faith lane, what you are dealing with are two principal things, substance and evidence. Substance and evidence. That means what a man of faith is doing, especially when you begin to understand how Jesus taught faith, is that you are looking for substance. You are looking for substance. You see, just carelessly trunking around Jesus is not substance. So that means what that woman did was to substantiate the hope that was set before her. And how you substantiate that hope is that you take hope, that hope into that which is behind the veil and the Lord communicates with you his word as per that hope and that is what you now carry out in faith. So that means that woman must have prayed because the Bible says when she heard about Jesus. Do you understand? So there was an hearing about Jesus and it was officially communicated to her that the only part of Jesus today that is carrying power is the hem of his garment. So she came from behind and she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, not his shoe, not his nice suit. <laughs> For example, somebody came to church this morning now. Did you get a rima word from God what to do in church today to resolve the issues? So people take church and the presence of Jesus for granted because we think once there is a presence of Jesus, automatically there should be a miracle. That was why they were thronging. As we're in church this morning now, do you know Pastor Shola took time to pray? I know he's a man of prayer. He doesn't even go home. Whenever I call him, I'll say, where are you? Say, I'm in church. I said, do you go home? <laughs> because I, I'm never in church. I'm at home. <laughs> I only show up Sunday morning and I go back home. <laughs> But you see, your pastor is a man of prayer. He's always praying somewhere there. So he has prayed. So the seat that you are seated on now, do you know what that seat is carrying? So you came to church again. Most people came to church this morning casually. Before you came, you did not receive a word. So, so most people come to church joining that company of those who are thronging. Only very few people come to church. And, and I hope we have so, such people in this place this morning that they already know. That means touch is as good as once Pastor Shola picks the mic, I have it. Because before you came to church, you got that word. So you are just waiting. By the time the choir was ministering, you are like, you people go, go, let him just pick the mic. For she said within herself, if my pastor can just speak a word, that is it. Thank you, Dr. Berry. Do, do you understand? <laughs> I just use one scenario to explain that, and that is why, that is how you get the substance. And look at Hebrews 12, 2. Then we try to teach this morning in the first service. We continue the second service wherever I will stop, and we cap it up in the third service. Now, Hebrews 12, 2 gave a definition of Jesus that a lot of people also take for granted. So on the faith lane, what are you doing? Looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. Oh, that is not coming up again. Okay. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. <laughs> so on the faith lane, what are you doing? Do like this, your neighbor. Is it on the faith lane? We are looking unto Jesus. So that means on the faith lane, essentially what a man of faith is doing is to look unto Jesus. And there are two things Jesus will do every time you look unto him. Number one, 
he will alter the faith. Number two, he will finish the faith. Author is the originator. So there is no faith flow outside of Jesus. He's the author. An author writes what? Books. Isn't it? So that means everything about your faith flow is already booked. There is a book that is written about your life. As far as Jesus is concerned, and it's a book of faith. So that means every time you are here, now what you should be asking yourself is that, what chapter is this? Every other thing is great. Glory, grace, holiness, power, all those things. But, but see, somehow, Christ did not alter any book on any of those things. The only book that Christ is interested in, as far as your life is concerned, is faith book. Is the author and the finisher. That means every time you're on the faith lane, is it that Christ is authoring? And if you're already in the faith flow, what it comes to do every time you look at the scenario-based view of faith of our Lord Jesus Christ is to perfect it. That means for every one of us at some point, something is lacking in your faith. So every time you look at the faith flow of our Lord Jesus Christ again, you get a finishing grace. Because there are so many people here you have started, but it does appear you can't finish. Because something is just making it to hang in the hair there. So Christ will come to finish it. So this morning, having said that, so look at your neighbor say, Christ is the author, and Christ is the finisher. So is he that is authoring? Come on. Is he that is authoring? Or is finishing? So ask your neighbor, where are you now? Do you want him to author? Or he has authored. You understand the book. You understand the content. You are living the content of the book. You have a faith flow. You have a faith walk. You have a faith project. And all you are just waiting for is for him to perfect it. So, so he says the originator and the perfecter of your faith. Hallelujah. Somebody says the originator and the perfecter of my faith. So in HOD this morning, come on, say, is it in HOD this morning? Is it that it's originating or is perfecting? And I open my spirit this morning to go with him in this journey as the author. So that means this week is authored already. So I step into what he wrote about me this week. Lord, I come in the volume of book. It is written of me. And it's a book of faith. And Christ is the author. And in chapter 2 he has said, this week is my week. <laughs> so let's see what he authored. Luke chapter number 8. Wow. And uh, Matthew chapter 14. Luke 8, 22. Oh, blessed be God. In Luke 8, 22, we have very fantastic teachers of the world in the house. Pastor Shola, Pastor Ebele, Pastor Abigail. You know, Pastor Dr. Ebele is such... So happy birthday one more time. A wonderful, wonderful gift to the body of Christ. We celebrate you. Hallelujah. And um, in Luke 8, 22, and in Matthew 14, 22, Christ authored a dimension of faith that is called how to survive storms. 
So in Luke 8, 22, now it came to pass on a certain day that I went into a ship with his disciples and he said to them, that is how he alters faith. What he says to you, he said to them, what did he say to them? Let us go over onto the other side of the lake. Sister Essie, <laughs> Sister Essie and I were classmates in university. She used to be my very good friend. Now she's... <laughs> Amen. Good to see you. Looking good. Amen. It's part of the service. Don't worry. <laughs> Amen. So, what did he say to them? Ladies and gentlemen, when he said that, did he take into consideration the fact that they obeyed storm? Look at that statement again. Let us. So, when we are going, we are going to go over. Right? That means something is going to happen, but we are going over. Because I'm trying to make us understand the author of our faith. So that we can understand the finisher. Let us do what? Did he say let you? He said let us. Who is saying us? <laughs> you see the problem with you is that you think you are alone. Whenever the Lord gives you an instruction and he says go. Give. Move. Say. Do. Do you know that he's actually involved in the doing with you? He doesn't, he doesn't ask you to do anything he's not involved with. Because he's the author. Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So it's more or less saying, guys, the reason why I'm saying this is that, as, as we said, that something is going to happen. But not only am I telling you what will happen, we will go over. And I'm also telling you the destination beforehand, other side of the lake. So that means what is happening is not going to stop us. We are going to go over it. But because people don't understand how to compare spiritual with spiritual, they don't understand the language of faith. So instructions are always given ahead of time, before the storm. Because the storm is not against the instruction. The storm is just doing its own. And we're going to see by the time we look at the two scenarios. So what happened? Next verse. As they sailed, he fell asleep, and they came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, and they were in geopathy. Move on, please. Fast. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuilt the wind and the region of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? Pastor Shola, Dr. Billy, Pastor Abigail, you need to help me out here. He rebuked the wind and the storm and after he did that after he asked them where's your faith to tell you that what he just did now is not faith oh you are not getting me they cried isn't it they cried to the lord the lord woke up their cry woke him up right and he rebuked the wind and there was a great great calm in order for them not to think that crying to him in the midst of a storm to rebuke the wind was faith after he did that, he now asks them, where is your faith? That means what happened now is not faith. <laughs> and in the two scenarios we are considering this morning, he was not dealing with the multitude. Deliberately, he was dealing with the disciples. So this is disciple great faith teaching. You will have taught rebuking the storm and calming the storm was faith. 
after he did, in fact, if you read it in another gospel, he said, how is it that you have no faith? What, which one is that? Is that Matthew or Mark or Luke, one of them? He said, how is it that you do not have faith? So, so Jesus is saying, this scenario, this is not faith at all. So what is faith? Scenario-based view of faith, right? What did I just teach now in Hebrews 12 too? Looking unto. Looking unto. So on the faith lane, you are imitating Christ. You are looking unto Jesus. That day, as they were going into the ship, Jesus branched at Tesco and he bought a pillow. If they were looking unto Jesus, everybody should get a pillow. Oh, uh, yeah, no. I think you are getting it now. <laughs> so, so when he bought pillow, they were like, oh, guys, come again. We, we want to go into a storm. Why pillow? So he bought a pillow. Everybody should have known. They should, they should know him by now. That look, if we are looking unto him and on the faith lane, is the author. The author cannot buy pillow and you are pillowless. So what is faith? When Christ decided to sleep, everybody should sleep. The author cannot be sleeping and you are screaming. <laughs> that means you want to be more Catholic than the Pope. The one that said, let us go over to the other side, entered into his rest. And you are screaming. And Jesus is saying, I thought you guys understood the fact that on the faith lane, you look unto Jesus. So if Jesus was sleeping and, and so much on a pillow, ha, he's not careless. Sir. <laughs> For him to be sleeping on a pillow is beginning to say, this storm is not what you're screaming. Whenever we eat this storm, sleep. Are there things you are screaming over this morning and all the Lord just wants you to do is to give you sleep? Hallelujah. Amen. The author of our faith cannot be sleeping. And we are screaming. So he woke up, rebuked the storm, and he said, since you didn't get the equation, where is your faith? Because I thought you were looking at me, not the storm. If you were actually looking at me, and the posture I adopted in the midst of this storm is to sleep. Then all of you should be yawning by now. If I should be the one waking you up. But you are not the one waking me up. So at times, most of what we call spiritual warfare, screaming, asking Jesus to intervene and interfere, is because we have not entered into rest. Hebrews 4. Let's look at Hebrews 4. And we look at the second scenario, then we can begin to wrap this up. Oh my God. You know, I'm very comfortable here because I know this is a well taught church. This is a solid church. Verse 11. Let us labor therefore to do what? Sister, I say, sleep is not easy. You have to labor to sleep. Because by default, you don't want to sleep in the midst of the storm. You want to scream. So, so Paul is saying, let, how can rest be offered? I think people should just enter into rest. But Paul said it doesn't happen automatically. You have, that means you have to convince yourself. It's a labor. 
Let us therefore labor therefore to do what? To enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Next verse. What are we resting on? For the word of God is quick. That was why before the storm, he already said, we are going over to the other side. Folks, the storm is not what should make you to scream. The word is what should make you to rest. The word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. So how do we value the word of God? That the author of our faith said, we are going to the other side, and somehow in the midst of all that, a storm happened, and you think because he was sleeping, in sleep he was weaker, that we must now wake him up, and that is when he's more powerful. And yet what he was introducing to them was rest. I said, guys, rest. Because it's just that I don't have time this morning. I'm sure Pastor Shola knows that place. There was a time, there was another storm. The moment he stepped into the boat, the boat got, got to destination. Have you read that place before? So it's not about the storm. Imagine, they were somewhere in Ijebo day and there was a storm. The moment Christ entered, they were going to Lagos. The boat landed in Lagos. It's in your Bible. But I don't want to get into that thought scenario. So this morning, ask yourself, this situation I'm screaming, I'm crying, I'm fearful about, do I have a word? You see, one of the things we have done to Christianity in our generation is to underrate the efficacy of the word. And that is why he's saying here that the word of God is powerful and we must labor to enter into that rest. Look at your neighbor, say rest. So at times, the greatest spiritual warfare is rest. That means when the enemy thinks you should be having vigil over the matter, and you are resting, resting because you got a word, resting because the highest expression of faith is rest, according to Hebrews 4. Even the enemy is confused. Now look at the second scenario, Matthew 14, 22. And you, are, you will now begin to understand the author of our faith, how he operates. In Matthew 14, 22, straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship, to go before him onto the other side of the... While he sent the multitudes away, yeah? And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up the mountain apart to pray. There's a reason why these details are being given. He went to pray, right? And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Move on. But the ship was not in the midst of the sisters we wave, or the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Hmm. Move on. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Wow. But straight away, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Emini, 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 Tinja, Emini. Oloruko 
Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is high. Be not afraid. And what happened? Peter said, we missed the point in the first term. We did not look unto you. So Peter said, let me correct that mistake now. Now we are looking unto you. What we call as Tom, you are working on it. So Peter said, if it is you, I don't want to make that first mistake. Let me come. What do you think the Lord is trying to teach here? So that means, and those are the only two acceptable templates we are going to see in the life and ministry of Jesus. Don't forget he is our perfect example. So it cannot be better than this. That means in the midst of the storm, what people call storm, warfare, situations, whatever, there are only two things Christ will do. He's either he's sleeping or he's walking on the storm. <laughs> if he's sleeping, sleep. If he's walking on the storm, don't stay inside the boat. So Peter said, we missed it in the first instance. We're going to get it right this time. And guess what? The Bible now gave us one detail there. And, and that is what I also want you to know that is involved with us. Before this second scenario, Christ went up to the mountain to pray. Have you thought about it? What was he praying about? Why is that important? That is very, very important because in the New Testament... Bible tells us that he lives forever to make intercession for us. And Luke 22 verse 31 is a very good example, a vivid example of what Christ says to the Father every time he's interceding for us. So if, if the ministry of Christ now is that of an intercessor, have you ever asked yourself, what does he really say to the Father when he's interceding for the saints? Luke 22 gave us a clue. So Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. In other words, Satan is about to mess you up. <laughs> and Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. And the moment he said that, I'm, I'm interested in the prayer point of Jesus. Because th this is one of those rare moments where scripture unveiled how Jesus prayed. And what he says in prayer when he's praying. Because we, we can just say, oh, Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed. But what does he say when he's praying? And if he's praying for you today, if he's interceding for you today, and Satan is up to something, the realm of the spirit is up to something, storm is happening, what does he say? What is the prayer point? Is it that he's praying that the storm should go away? Or there is a particular prayer, he's always praying. Say, so I pray for you. And I thought Jesus would say, I'm praying for you, or I pray for you, that all the sifting techniques of Satan will not work for you. He said, Satan, on behalf of Peter, you want to sweep Peter. It is you I'm sifting. <laughs> I sift Satan on behalf of Peter. Was that a prayer point? He said, I prayed for you. What was the prayer point? That your faith. That means when Christ is praying for us, he's not praying against the storm. He's not praying against the enemy. He's praying for your faith. Oh, you're not there. I have prayed for you that your faith 
That means Christ saw what the enemy wanted to do. He had advanced knowledge. And he did not pray to cancel it. Because in the realm of the spirit, that will be reducing Christ to the level of Satan. He didn't say, I pray for you that the intentions of the enemy will not come to pass. That means he's saying, let the enemy bring it on. He said, but there's something I'm interested in. For as long as that thing is there, it doesn't matter what the enemy is up to. Because most of our prayer point is announcing what the enemy is up to, but it's not announcing what Christ is up to. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Prayer point. You cannot be more Catholic than the Pope. If ever there was anyone who understood prayer, this was Jesus. Jesus said, my prayer point is not about the enemy. Because God is not the opposite of Satan. Look at your neighbor. Say that your faith should not fail. And look at what he said. Say, when you are now converted... Because for as long as your faith will not fail, you will bounce back. He now says, strengthen your brethren. Did he do that? That was what he did in Second Peter and First Peter. He said to those who have obtained like precious faith. He said that the trial of your faith, because Peter now understood that what is on trial is your faith. It's not your finances. It's not your marriage. It's your faith. You are the one thinking it's your marriage. <laughs> Because if Christ is praying for your marriage, you and Christ won't be on the same page. Because here you are, you are bringing marriage as prayer point, and Christ is saying, I'm praying for your faith. And you'll be like, oh, what is this guy talking about? We say marriage, marriage, money, money. And Christ said, faith, faith, faith. I pray for your faith. He said, we're talking Satan, Satan. Help us to defeat Satan, fight Satan. And Christ said, I pray for your faith. That means what we make the intentions of the enemy to come to pass is faith failure. So Christ is saying there is something that must not fail. Look at somebody. So I'm receiving impartation this morning. Come on, say it. So I'm receiving impartation this morning. I'm being strengthened in the ordination of my faith. I'm beginning to say it. My faith will not fail. My faith will not fail. Now that I understand that he lives forever to make intercession for me. So I better start interceding the way he intercedes for me. So we can be on the same page. That was why before this second episode, he went to the mountain to pray. And I'm sure he's telling the father that at least one of these guys let him get the equation. And Peter got it. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, let me come. And I told the Lord, we say, Peter, me, I went to the mountain to pray. You just finished a pot of ogbono soup with, with pandayam. Is that how they walk on water? Come, call. You, you understand? I mean, I thought the Lord would be angry. But the moment Peter made the request, the Lord said, come. Oh, 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 yeah, you are not getting it. That means, as a believer, your default status is of faith. You don't need to prepare to get into the faith flow. Even when you are in the boat, you already have enough faith to walk on water. 
Jesus did not say, you want to walk on water? Lift up your hand. Receive it. Oh, yeah, now walk on water. <laughs> so, when you are dealing with Jesus, at times the reason why you are seated in the boat is that you never asked. And you know why you don't ask? When you saw him walking on water, you concluded that he was a ghost. And since you have told yourself you are a human being, <laughs> you are not getting what I say. You have told yourself that I'm a, just a housewife. I'm an ordinary civil servant. I'm just an usher. So, so I can't partake in the divine nature. This one that is walking on water is walking on water as a ghost. Because if ever there is a definition of faith, faith is like walking on water. It looks impossible until you take the first step. Imagine Peter. Jesus just said, come. And like faith teachers have taught us over the years, that the moment he stepped, he was no longer walking on water. He was walking on the word. What was the word? Come. Hallelujah. You know what many of us try to do? Christ is saying, step out. You are looking at the water. He said, water, I address you. Surface tension change. Archimedes principle. Boy's law. Charles law. Avogadro's hypothesis. Equal volume of all the gases. Under the same condition of temperature and pressure. Change your molecules. <laughs> you know why you are dressing water? You are not looking unto Jesus. Because Jesus was standing on the same water. Whenever Jesus is saying come, he's also standing there. One of the greatest lessons you are going to learn on the faith lane is that he will never leave you nor abandon you. He doesn't give you a project where himself is not also standing. So on the faith lane, he doesn't say go. He says come. Because we are in this together. And when he says go, he has gone ahead. One minute more. Wow. Did they increase the 10 minutes? Did they add the 10 minutes to it already? Okay, five more minutes. Thank you, Pastor. So please help me to set the five more minutes. Let's appreciate your pastor for five more minutes. Now <laughs> so we can quickly wrap this up. Ah. <laughs> Are you seeing what we're saying this morning? Do you know this is a shorter way to teach faith than to say principle one, principle? Because you are seeing many principles working together in one scenario. And that's why Christ is the only one that can give us clues like this. And Peter stepped out. So stop preparing to get into the faith flow. You don't need more faith to get into the water than you already are while you are sitting in the boat. Because as a believer, you are a faith being. Your default status is that of faith. Your DNA is even when, when you are resting, potential energy is faith. But it's just that you need to convert it to a kinetic energy. That means there is nothing the Lord is asking you to do. That you are going to require more faith than you have now to do it. You can only move from faith to faith. We don't move from doubt to faith. Hallelujah. Because you will have told Jesus, we say, Peter, you want to walk on water. Is that, is, that, is that how they walk on water? Okay, you want to walk on water, go and fast for the next seven days. So at least water will acknowledge the fact that your weight has reduced. 
so that water can support this weight. So what we do is that we are addressing water. Meanwhile, on the faith lane, the moment Christ is the author of the faith, creation acknowledges. Once a man of faith steps out, creation supports. He did not need to start addressing water. Water knew that this man that is about to step out, except I do not want to exist again, I have to support him. So that is why Peter did not need to address water. He just stepped out and water said, yes. And he started walking. Then suddenly, suddenly, like a lot of church people do, suddenly he took his eyes off Jesus. The Bible says when he saw, can you give us the scripture? The wind, boisterous. Pastor I thought, Dr. Iberi, Pastor Abigail, I thought they said the wind is invisible. How did Peter see the wind? When you are in doubt, you start seeing what the rest of us cannot see. In fact, you, you become spiritual the other way. <laughs> because you are seeing things. Do we have the wind in this place? Do we have hair here? Do you see it? So how did Peter, Peter did not just see the wind, he saw the wind boisterous. No, Peter, Peter taught another dimension of physics here. <laughs> he saw that the wind was not just wind again, boisterous. Look at me. This next statement I'm about to make is going to liberate a lot of people. And there's impartation in the house this morning because the spirit of faith has been imparted. Now, guess what? The moment Peter doubted, he didn't also need to tell what I just doubted. Water picked it. The same way water picked it when he was in faith and supported. The moment he doubted, water withdrew the support. Creation is designed to support a man of faith. And once you doubt, creation is also designed to say we withdraw our support. So, therefore, you cannot manipulate the environment. And guess what? Sister, I say, this is, the, this, is, this is where the robber hits the road. Peter was sinking in the presence of Jesus. Uh, because people feel I can violate the law of faith and take advantage of the presence of God. It does not work that way. How much of the presence of God do you need that was not there where Peter was sinking? So in the presence of Jesus, Peter was sinking. So the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Lord, is not a substitute for the law of faith. The presence of the Lord is an enhancer of the law of faith. So that means if you violate the law of faith, Jesus will stand there and you will sink. He will say, oh, I'm here. So because I'm here, you are not going to sink. Because even the immortals at the level of Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, angels, they don't violate the law of faith. So, so the only thing they can just do is to extend mercy. But that you will not sink, you will sink. And the reason why you will sink is to show you and show everybody in every generation that this is what you get once you become a double-minded man. And the painful thing is that Peter now started sinking in the same place where he was once walking. And look at what Jesus did. He reached out. And what did he tell him? Pull him up. Next verse. And he said, 
verse 21, please. Stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to me, to him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Because of time, that takes you back to Matthew 6. Little faith is big unbelief. And little faith is the fact, based on the fact that you do not value the word of God. Jesus said, O ye of little faith, don't you know you have more value? So is the storm more valuable or you are of more value than the storm? And finally this morning, please can you strike a key on the keyboard, the greater lesson here. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So please, there are only two possible scenarios in the midst of the storm. Be clear about it and look unto Jesus. Is he sleeping? Then sleep. Is he walking? Don't stay in the boat. Walk. Would you rise up this morning? And let's appreciate Jesus. Oh, Rabba Kazina Bagrikedina Mama Sudov Rakitiba. Yagadov Rekedina Baba. Thank you for the ministry of the word. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you, are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. God bless you.